How do you get so pregnant? Hello. Hello. Good morning, Captain. Oh, hi. Hi, how are you? Good. You called me on the Skype this time. Yes, we're going to change it up, as you say. Yeah, why not change it around a little bit? Change it around a little bit. Change it's it up. Mm. So are you wired? Do you have a wired connection or are you wireless in there? You have a Mac Pro. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, who was president then? Well, one of the Bushes. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think I've, it's from I think it's from two thousand six. Oh, that's the 06 model. I got the 06. They the run a little hot. Six. They run a little hot. Yeah, I got to spray out the dander sometimes. They stick. Um, they stick going from third to fourth. Mm, is that a clutch problem? Yes. I uh, I'm still you know knock on everything. Uh, I'm still running mountain lion fine. How's that uh, neck? Uh. Good week? Yes, this has been a very big week for some of our friends. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Huge week. Literally oh. huge. Woo. Literally Man. a huge, unique week. Literally unique in its hugeness of literal uniqueness. Oh, God, I got to toot this out to the uh, jackals. Um, Most of your followers are robots. I mean, no offense. Yeah. No, I, I checked. When I, um, I don't know if I, you'd say I purchased, rented, or leased... When I paid that company to give me all the followers, I was I was given to believe that it would be mostly teenage girls from Asia, not to work ping pong. Um, but it appears that uh, a lot of them are just are robots from different continents, like Scandinavian. Yeah, they're incontinent. I, I you know I can't tell. I don't see any uh, you know diureses, diacriticals. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, hmm. it, this this won't sound true, but I don't actually pay that much attention to those things. I'll tell you what I will do. Hmm. Um, if, I, uh, if I happen to be looking at someone's tutor and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I will see what seems like an improbably large number of followers. Yes. I, like, do you have I'll, like 2.5 million or something? Th- I, Isn't this that is true? So, is that true? So boring. I was on one of those, I think, I wasn't on the like, super duper featured person page, but I think I was on the follow these funny people page mm. for a while. Mm. Oh, like people, people who are funny, who tweet. Well, you know, yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't ask for that. Um, the, um, do you have I the think, little blue, the little blue authenticity mark on your thing? You know what I mean? Yes. Where, let me see. Yes. Twitter. Which I, which I, which hot. I did not, which I did not ask. Don't stop. Yeah, look at that. talk about Twitter. I did not ask for that. And then I told you this. Riding out tonight uh, to case the promised land period, San Francisco, Caliph period. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that abbreviation better. I don't like that CA stuff. I also like, 278,375 <clears throat> followers. 494 following 15,000. So that's a good ratio. 15,000 tweets. And most of those happened yesterday. Really? Seems like. What I'll do something. I don't even, I didn't, I don't even know which handle to grab on this suitcase, Dan. None of them seem appealing. Um, uh, so here's the thing. We, oh God, who cares? When you sign up for Twitter, like there's all of these weird little wizard processes with, with Twitter that are really weird because for a long time, Twitter struggled to explain itself to people. It was very hard to explain to your friends like why you would do something with Twitter. And so, you know, if you sign up, when you sign up for a Twitter account, like it walks you through this whole thing of like, like here's stuff you can do. And on the very first page, there's a, I think, at least it used to be, there's like a list of people that you should follow. 
And that's how a bunch of people out there got like a gajillion followers that they never asked for was because they got put on that list. I was on like a sub list, I think. Oh, okay. right. So, I mean, again, I mean, you know, if they were to clean it, clean that out, you know what I mean? If they were really to go th- through there and run some kind of a uh, bash script, as you call it, if you made a sequel statement, <laughs> yes. there'd be like 11 people there. Select star. Star from. From. Followers. Where. Where. Uh, is less than or equal to uh, Asian subcontinent. You mean Scandinavia? Yes. I See, I, I would not call it a subcontinent. I think that's a little bit ping pong. I think it does just fine the way it is. I think, I think it's a shame, Dan. Yeah. Anyway. How's everything going up there in San Francisco? That's going to be one of those. This is, this is, the kind, this is what it's going to be today. Wait, be one- uh, when you go see a baseball game up here, we give you a crab salad sandwich. <laughs> Well, Mr. Letterman, yeah. I, um, it's Yosemite Sam. Oh, oh, you should work on that. I will. Uh, I need to. Okay. <laughs> Is that um, what Dave sounds like now? God, I haven't watched his show in ages. Well, I haven't, I don't watch it regularly, but it's that, it's that one voice he does, which is, I think it's supposed to be like one of his neighbors in Indiana. Oh, yeah. That kind of voice. I don't know. Um, I don't go to a lot of baseball games, but I will tell you that it's a, it's a nice stadium. It's a pretty stadium. It's renamed pretty much as often as Jean Grey is, is killed and reborn. They, they, they rename it. And it's always letters, and it's confusing. And they end up giving it a really dumb name. And it's I, a I work on 2nd Street. <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> Second, see, there's avenues and streets. It's very confusing. I don't know. So, How do you tell them apart? One you, goes one way, one goes the other way. <laughs> <laughs> the um, but yeah, that's in the media guide. Oh, by the way, I, up- I updated the media guide with some links. So uh, that's, uh, that's in show notes. Um, Where can they uh, find show notes if somebody wanted to? Oh, oh, uh, for, your, for your back to work program. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people wanted to find show notes for your back to work program that you do every Tuesday, at uh, two, two o'clock Eastern time, uh, they would go to five by five dot TV slash uh, B as in brotherhood, two is in the numeral, W as in wackadoodle slash one two zero one two zero for this episode. This is our Dan. I know it's incremental, right? Every week it, it ticks up one, mm-hmm. as John Syracuse says, <laughs> TikTok, right? That's right. And here's, here's the thing we're on our 120th episode. It's been 113 episodes since episode and it's seven. it's exactly 1.20 p.m. here. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I guess we'd better spark a doobie. Oh, this is the right time for that. It's always um, 4.20 somewhere. It, and I suppose so. I guess maybe somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean. It's 4.20. But people love their marijuana, Dan. You're big in that. You're, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the main thing for you now. Um, I mean, what I, you I, would, do, I do a lot of things. but Mainstay, I, I, mainstay. I, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. I, I don't enjoy it anymore. And I, I stay away from it. There's too much of it here. I'm a contrarian. There's just too much marijuana and everybody just needs to dial it down. If you were to lean up against a wall yeah. with your mouth open a little bit, I've heard someone will just put a joint in there <laughs> as, you, as you spend time in San Francisco, downtown. Well, you know, that could be true. That could be true. I, I, I will tell you this. And I, I, corner, I, your, corner your mouth like this. Yeah, I don't think that's usually. I don't think the corner is where you put the doobie. But I don't, I don't know. know how it works. I've never. Really. Well, I'm 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 not a physician, but I am pretty sure if you stood somewhere, whether that is on Second Street or Second Avenue, or I would say especially if you stood at Market Street and Sixth Street, mm-hmm. um, 
If you left your mouth open while you <laughs> leaned against something, <laughs> I would say within no, four I know to what, nine I know where you're minutes, going with this. something would be put in your mouth. <laughs> and I don't think it would be a doobie. It would be right. a, you, you would become a Google Hangout. Oh, is that how that, how you... I call it cottaging. This is called kickstarting. You kickstart it and you go in, you got a high, 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 uh, I got a, what's that phrase you used to use? High, high flipping. High Indian. High, oh, come on, really? <laughs> high, high handing. What do you call it? High pimping. What is that? What's that phrase you use for like when you're like being, um, being real hoity-toity with Grandstanding. Somebody? Grandstanding. No. Showboating. Uh, show, show pimping. Big pimping. Big. Spending big, cheese. Big, big timing. Was that what you said? Big timing? Was big that the time. phrase? Oh, big, time. big timing is where if somebody, if you're, if you're standing there and the phone rings and you're like, I don't know if I want to answer this. And then you stand there next to the answering machine and you just stare at the answering machine and you're listening to the person leaving the message. That's called big timing. The, the message part? Listening to the message without. That's called big timing? Yeah. I, I never would have guessed that. That's big timing. This is an educational program in many, many ways. <sighs> Yeah, you don't want to open your mouth on 6th. I've seen a lot. A lot goes down at Market and 6th. People have put up cameras there because... Is that the Castro? No, no. That's more like uh, Castro, uh, you know, 14th. Not 14th. Like, that would be like 19th. Anyway, it's... Have yeah, you Castro's been to San Francisco? Uh, you mean like the regular San Francisco? Yeah, the other part. I've been there. I've been there twice. Um, it's on the other side of what they call Twin Peaks. And no one knows my neighborhood exists, which is fine by me. And, uh, Except no. JXPX twenty one. Yep, 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 yep. He's actually he's been in the uh, he's been in the heart of darkness. He's gone up the river. He's been in here. He's seen the dander. Dead things go downstream. Hmm. Name the movie. You know you got a big mouth. You make it close. This whole place stinks with your farts for a week. How you, much what was this you were sending me? Ingested. In- <laughs> oh, what a big man you are! Let me buy you a pack of gum. I'll show you how to chew it. Nice, what? nice. Your pal closes and all that comes out of your mouth is bile. Ooh, how messed up you are. <laughs> you just well, sense yourself, say, Ricky. That's what happens when you uh stranger in the Alps. Have you ever watched Glengarry Glen Ross? I have on, seen it. On, mm, have you ever seen it on TV where it's, you know, oh. censored? No, I don't think I have. I think I've only seen it on... It's... Yeah. It, it, it's okay, so I, I think the Big Lebowski... Trying to show the Big Lebowski on television is one of the most hilarious and farcical things I've ever seen in my life. Because you get the stranger in the Alps line. You've, mm-hmm. you've heard this, right? Yes. That's what happens when you, yeah. Um, there, there's one word that's a, um, a vulgar euphemism for one's posterior that is, um, they, they substitute with act. The uh, mouth wash, the rinse? No, no, it's not perioded. It, it, they say, uh, you, get, you get Dave saying stuff like, yeah, kiss my act. <laughs> You're like, did was anyone? I mean, like David Mamet must just sit and cut himself when he finds things like that. I, he just. Uh. Do you think that is is the alternative of just flat out not, just not having it on TV at all? Is that a superior alternative? Uh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I, I think probably not, but I, I think a, a really interesting example of that was I want to say nineteen. 80 when they wanted to show the godfather you know and godfather do you know about this the the coppola thing what, what he did i think they called it the godfather saga and oh yeah yeah i know what this is so he did something really interesting that a lot of people don't like but i think it's pretty cool it's hard to find now it's like on, i think you can get it on laser disc but um or you could have gotten it on laser disc but um 
Well, anyway, you know this, but for Syracuse our listeners, still has a laser uh, laser disc going. Eh, it's the only <laughs> it's the only way he can get the versions of things that he wants. I bet that's got. I bet he's got a, an episode four on there. That was the last good full copy of episode four. I think you could get. Could you imagine this guy late at night? Everyone <sighs> else goes to bed. He pulls yeah. out his real genius laser disc. <laughs> you know, and puts that thing on. Well, lasers yeah. are wrong signs. I go to bed early because I worry about catching the flu. Is my problem. You know, you've got to avoid public places. You mean like you don't want to breathe or touch anything in public? You don't open your mouth on Sixth Street. I saw the uh, the Great Gatsby. This movie Ooh, with uh, Leonardo, yeah, with Leonardo. It's DiCaprio. got that. It's got that pretty lady in it too from the education movie. Well, I mean, he's pretty, but he's he's a dude. Okay, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, and By he. The future. Yeah, and and the whole time I'm waiting for that to happen. Like I can't see him in a period piece anymore. Oh, like yeah. if if he was in, you know, if he was like in a, in, in like a sci-fi movie. Like you're watching like what Shutter Island. You're watching Shutter Island, and you're just waiting for him to start start doing that little tick and yeah. reaching for the milk. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it because you want, you know it's right there under the surface. It's ready. And, Are you, <clears> you're <throat> telling me you you're telling me Leo Deci at this point has you think he is typecast. In, at least in your, in your mind, and I have to say in my mind, he's somewhat typecast because it's so important that he played Howard Hughes. You know, I don't know if people acknowledge how good he was in that movie, or in that picture, as you say. Yeah, as we say. No, he's awfully, awfully good in that. I thought Alan Alda was really good, too. I really want those glasses. Yeah, um, but that happened. Didn't that happen with Mr. Spock, Dr. Spock? What's the baby guy? The guy, the guy with the uh, with, uh, Winona Ryder mother? He Didn't, didn't uh, Dr. Spock have problems afterward? He had a book called I Am Dr. Spock, I Am Not Dr. Spock. He had two books, remember that? Right, the first one was I Am Not Spock. The second one is I Am, I am Spock. He, he uh, capitulated. Recapitulated. Well, he's half, he's half human. You're not supposed to capitulate. Uh, the human half of me is feeling an emotion. Right vulcanizing now. is a rubber process. It's a ru- process of rubbering. I don't know where that came from. My daughter saw her first Star Trek. She's now seen as many Star Treks as I have. We've each seen one. Which is your favorite one? Uh, the one we watched it was the third episode. Uh, they were wearing kind of polyestery, puke-colored shirts. That's all of them. And the pacing was excruciating. Is that the one with the whales in the big tank? Oh, you mean it's in, in Frisco? No, no, no. That's one of the movies. That's, uh, what is that? That's uh, Star Trek uh, Episode Nine: uh, Revenge of the Baleen. It's Krill. Is it Krill or Krull? What are the things? What are the, what Krull are the, is the, the things you throw. Of the Krill is the things that you siphon through your Which baleen. one is Nancy Grace? She's a, she's a Kree or a, she's a Skrull, right? I can't keep this straight. Yeah, and I don't know. One of the, is are both of them are shapeshifters, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a kind of doppelganger. Doppelganger. I got bamboozled again. You remember how you bamboozled me with uh, the the clone saga, and I bought bought a five inch TPB based on what turned out to be a prank on your part. No, it, it happened to me again. Because no, you, wait, no, talk- no, no, what? The clone saga. I never said anything about that. Oh, you sure did, buddy. Roll it. Roll back the. Roll back the tape. <laughs> ah, Merlin. A lot of people say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I never said Clone Saga to you. But you know what I bought? Because people kept talking about it. So I've got Secret Wars. Yes. Second. The more recent one, which I thought was great. Because Nick Fury, you know. Um, was not in it. But I bought Secret War before I had, I, I kept hearing people talk about it. And I finally bought, bought it on Comixology. <laughs> and after a couple pages, I was like, why, why is this like, 
famous. And it was along the lines of Dazzler. You remember how Dazzler started as a result of a business development deal with Casablanca Records? Uh, no, Did I know. Did you know that? No. So one of the all-time greatest issues, um, I think, of the Uncanny X-Men was the one that introduces Kitty Pride, introduces Dazzler. It's really, really good. It's got a lot of Hellfire Club in it. It's the beginning of a, well, it's a terrific arc. And, uh, but it's also where they introduced Dazzler. And I went and read about it. They had Casablanca, the people who put out like Donna Summer and Kiss Records. Um, Marvel had cut a, a biz dev deal that Dazzler would be a Marvel character who also became a disco star and would have albums. Interesting. Like I, no, I don't. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. And now apparently Secret War turns out Secret War was a deal with like Mattel or Kenner. <laughs> and they, and see, I've heard you m- mention it, I think, before. Did you read it back in the day? It was the, one of the first like huge, major, major, crazy crossover events. Yeah, I think I did. It's not good. And it's not a lot, it, it, not a lot was good then. It was, I don't want to, I don't want to say this incorrectly because I would never want to impugn uh, the Marvel Comics group, but. It's my understanding that they worked very, very closely with either, I want to say Mattel or Kenner, to come up with, you know, like when you're reading a comic and, and then there's an ad that looks like a comic, but it's for Micronauts or whatever, or for Twinkies? Yeah, I don't care for that. Yeah, no, no, I think that's, no, 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 no. I don't think you should put the ad right in the post. And, and in that case, I mean, you would think that like Twinkie the Kid was actually, you know, like, like a serious Marvel character was the idea. Um, I, think, I think turning into a... Uh, the pastry was probably a secondary mutation. Anyway, it wasn't good. <sighs> your pal closes and all that comes out of your mouth is bile. Ooh. I think that was, I, I don't follow, <laughs> I don't follow Pacino closely, but I think that's probably one of his last great roles before he went completely over the top. Don't, Did don't he you? do, well, okay. Would you say his performance in Devil's Advocate was over the top? Is that the one where he works for, uh, Keanu Reeves works for Satan? Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, you know, um, the yes. other, the, what about yes. the one it was where way he's, over the top where he's sitting woman. there and he's like, he, he pretends he's a, pretending to be a blind guy. And he's like, if I was a man, I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to that thing. What is the name of that one with, uh, what's his name in it when he's a kid? To son of a woman. That's it. Was he over the top? Yeah. Was he over the top oh, in that? I think that that is, that is widely regarded as a canonical over the top. Okay. Machine. All right. Well, whatever you say. Then you friend. go back and you watch, man, you go back. So anyway, Godfather, Godfather saga, I think, you know, Coppola, in a way I mean as a compliment, is so tightly wound that he said, okay, if we're going to put this on TV, he like recut the whole first two movies in chronological, all the scenes happen in chronological order. New scenes are added, no spoilers, but you see when the guy who blew up Apollonia's car gets whacked at the pizza place. Because, you know, he went back to the U.S. and worked at like a pizza parlor or something. Right. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you see that in this. There's all there's extra scenes. I think there's extra scenes when they're Christmas shopping. With Kay and Mike, um, well, I gotta catch the. You can't miss that. It's hard. It's kind it's of hard a whole to find. new dimension added to the film. They showed on the. They showed on the TV sometimes. Show. Oh, you kidding me? And then they like want you Mike really know the characters for the first time seeing them out there in the uh, in the store. That's how he's a pimp. <laughs> Should have known. It was Barzini all along? He's good with a knife. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Somebody on Twitter said uh, one of our episodes was off the rails. I would like to think that this is returning us to the titular rails. This show? Yeah, a lot to talk about. Um, you know, almost all of my FU, now that we're at minute 19, is imminently skippable. Uh, I was going to mention, uh, as part of my 2013 plan to be on every podcast twice, uh, I was on uh, two podcasts this week. Uh, Did you know that Marco's uh, yacht now has a Twitter account? Don't, don't. 
are, are you jumping on? Are you jumping on that? Are you jumping on that uh, that bandwagon? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. It has a Twitter account. Yes, I just sent it to you. Wow, I wonder if it could turn into a transformer and, and fight Scott Bourne's yacht. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta have that uh, yacht wax. It only has one oh, follower. And see, that's uh, all right. Oh, we'll come back to that. Oh, there's Bye. also a chopper armament. Nothing but bile. Yeah. Ooh, wow, FWR. I don't like cursing like that. It seems so lame. I shouldn't. You don't. You, you do many, many really, really phenomenal impressions. Ricky yeah. Roma is not really. It's not in the top f- five. I think yes, thank you. I think you're right. But as I, I like to think we've shown with Lemon Grab. If you give me a little cue, mm-hmm. I hear a little of it. I practice it a couple times. Mm-hmm. If I hear it, I know that will not make me a, a Fred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. Spice bomb bomb until his butt falls out. It's all in there. It's all in the media guide, guys. Everyone's just got to get up to speed with this. Go and do likewise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, that's in show notes. I was on Command Space and I was on the talk show. Command Space, we talked a lot about Adventure Time and how we need to schedule that episode. (laughs) Brass... It's a just sorry. Here's here's the one you want. Go and do likewise. <laughs> Have I got your attention now? The good news is, you're fired. That might be you know, pound for pound, you're moment fired. for moment. That is probably the most important piece of media, minute for minute. Pound if people for- sat down and watched Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and gave it a chance, uh, I think it's they'd a very understand the show. Band. They would understand oh, the show. I said this recently to you, and I wasn't sure exactly how you felt about it, but I think you will learn a lot about this show. You will learn a lot. You as a listener would learn a lot, whether you want to or not, about Dan and myself. Mm-hmm. If you just go and watch Blake's speech, written, I'll say it again. I'm not going to stop saying it, Dan. Written it, written for Alec Baldwin. Yeah, it was not in the original specifically for the, the character was not even in, was the character in it? He was absolutely not. That's great. And now he's got one of the great, I think, one of the great monologues in the history of film. Can you, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go and see that movie cut without that scene in it and see if it has the same kind of impact. I would say no. Oh, wow. Whoa. I never thought about that. It, it would really change the, um, the center of gravity in the film because mm-hmm. that adds, if that was just Kevin Spacey up there at the board, the Kevin Spacey character to me becomes so much more uh, important by his proximity to Blake. You know what I mean? Otherwise, he just seems like this ineffectual guy. Right. Like a typical creepy, you know, Kevin office Spacey. manager type. You're the guy that doesn't really have any power, but, yeah. you know. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to work with men. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Can't play in a man's game. Can't play in a man's game. It means you are wanting. So, uh, podcast, that's in show notes. Um... I, I, t- I asked you about this. You had to say, you know what? Why am I telling you this? Who cares? No, I don't care. I really like this movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I'm kind of obsessed with it now. Because I was listening to, oh, I forgot to put this in notes. On the, uh, the, uh, the Incomparable, that Canadian guy, Guy English one, the Canadian English guy, Guy English was on. And they talked about Iron Man 3. And I did not know about the history of Shane Black. So now I'm very interested in Shane Black. He wrote Lethal Weapon when he was like 12. Hmm. And I think he wrote and directed Iron Man 3. Hmm. Hmm. I don't keep track of that. So that's Moises's uh, bag. I'd, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see Horace do some graphs on uh, John Favreau's projected weight. 
He's a Vinuk here. I don't know if there's stats for that. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. Now, now you saw it. You saw Iron Man 3, right? I saw Iron Man 3. I've also seen that other one, uh, the Star Trek, the new Star Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Guy, Guy Pierce is the guy who is MODOK, right? But he's not MODOK in this. Isn't he MODOK? Guy got Pierce the is the guy that uh, kicks him some ass with that shotgun in the uh, in that other one. Well, you're talking about Memento? Or oh, L- 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 that. LA Confidential. LA Confidential. LA Confidential is the one. Similar with Kevin, to Kevin Spacey. With Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. You should watch that. Uh, I, I, I watched it yesterday, most of it. And I think it's already, as I say, as I said in our, in our, in our text, I think it's going to enter my pantheon. Uh, something else in show notes. Uh, I, I've recommended this before, but uh, for comics people, check out Comics Back Issues. Um, it's a site that does these amazing reading orders. Um, and if you're, if you are like me, I'm sorry, but sometimes it's, it's very confusing to get started. They have a great Avengers reading order, great X-Men, like very carefully laid out and easy to understand. Highly recommended. I updated the media guide. Uh, that's most of my follow-up. You got anything? Oh, no, no. Before we get to the, the, the titular nominal topic topic. No, I got nothing. Okay. Do you want to tell me about something you like? That I can do. That I can do. As just, Jacob says just, in Lost. Just, just Shutterstock.com. 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, video clips. This is kind of like the video clips you send to me late at night. Mm-hmm. But these are, these are mostly PG. <laughs> you start your search at Shutterstock.com. You will find the perfect image for your website or ad or publication or creative project or anything. Global image collection. As Merlin likes to say, they will not nickel and dime you. No nickels, no dimes. You go in there and you're going to get the high quality version of the image, the highest resolution possible. You get that. That's one cost. A lot of other sites will charge you more if you want like a high res or really big version. Not these guys. You don't have to mm. compromise with them. Even if you just want one image, you're just looking for one image, right? Go there and buy that. Or maybe you need a hundred images because you're building out some big thing. Fine. Maybe you're a, you know, Jason Snell up there in San Francisco, <laughs> and you need, you know, series series of images for every single blog post that you do on Macworld. You want to find somebody, some, some, some middle-aged guy sitting at his computer frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. You can find that. And, uh, and what you do is you go, you put these things together in the light boxes like Merlin is, is want to do. And then you organize them. You share them with your friends. You share them with your colleagues and your clients. And uh, when you're ready to buy something, you go to Shutterstock.com. You give them the code Dan sent me five, number five, Dan sent me five, and you'll get 30% off any package of stuff that you put together there. Shutterstock.com, Dan sent me five. Go check them out. Well, thanks to Shutterstock for supporting five by five and back to work. I uh, can't say enough good things about those light boxes. It's a, it's a, it's a great experience. You and I like, like a light box. I like a light box. I, and you know, it's funny. I go through phases with the apps that I like to play with uh, in my, uh, in my repose. Hmm. On my iPad lately, my my daughter and I have really been enjoying that paper app where you draw. Have you have you used the paper app? I think it's called Paper. Paper and, and and it comes with one little pen, and then you can pay more money, and you get the really good uh, the like art. I, you know what? I think that's accurate. I bought I bought the most tricked out version I could because I immediately loved the app. Fifty three something fifty one fifty one fifty. I forget the name of the company, but uh, they're they're cool people and. Uh, Paper is a lot of fun uh, for grownups and kids. And uh, they have a new feature, actually. This is not, not an ad, but I mean, um, they have a new feature where you can zoom in. 
So if you're drawing something or it, and not drawing is the wrong word, painting. I was, it's closer to a painting app. Mm. There's not, you know, vector tools. Oh, it's really right. fun though. You can zoom in and uh, you have different kinds of pens. It's really, really fun. But yeah, Shutterstock's one of those apps. I mean, no kidding. Like I'll just sit and look at, look at pictures and, you know, they could use some more black cat on there. I'm not going to lie to you. Do you like that black cat picture I sent you? I like all the stuff that you send me, you, even when it comes in very, very late at night. Yeah, it's called fan what service. What are you doing on late at night like that? Well, I worry about the flu. Big week, huge week. Um, and so the, the news that everybody's talking about this week, uh, it's called a MacGuffin. Everybody's talking about this week is the uh, acquisition of Tumblr by Yahoo for a disclosed sum. And um, it's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, it's, it's a not, fairly, fairly big deal, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's a big deal in a couple of ways, I guess. Uh, as you know, I, I follow the trades, so I'm very interested in what's happening in technology headlines. Uh, but no, I mean, there's at least two big things. One is that it's a pretty big price tag that they paid. Uh, you, <laughs> I heard something on NPR yesterday that I'll misquote, something along the lines of like, how many more, I never thought of it this way, but I guess it get, turns out they, the Tumblr gets uh, lar- a larger, like engaged user or something, page view audience than like a whole bunch of popular news sites combined. Which interesting way to think about it. But um, anyway, they're, they're acquiring Tumblr, um, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, and um, bringing that uh, David Carp guy and his team over. So I think that the, the two big headlines that are not germane to this discussion directly are, first of all, I think people are a little worried about what's going to happen. Uh, you know, people have tum- invested a lot of time and energy into creating Tumblr sites. And you know what? You can just sign into Tumblr and you can use their dashboard. And that's how most people, I think, are looking at porn. Yeah. With the a, a large per- apparently a large percentage. Apparently, you can find pornish things on Tumblr. I, I wouldn't. Told. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's easy to do. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's, that's a big part of it. You invest stuff in it. Do you think Marco left Tumblr because there was so much porn happening? I would have to guess. That's why I I would have left. I wouldn't get anything done there. Um, so, uh, you know, I think one part of it is candidly, if I have had a concern about that, it would be that Yahoo does not have a particularly distinguished record of, um, running with the ball they have just purchased. There's a, there's a number of things that we all got. Yep, we all got we all got excited about these acquisitions in the past. You know what? I, I don't a different show, but I mean that that's one concern. Um, we could talk about that, I guess. I think I think it's been fairly well discussed already. People are but, worried because when something goes into Yahoo, it's like it's like you know Syracuse putting his uh, you know his Zelda stuff into his bag of holding. You never <laughs> see it again. Is his name Link? Linksys. That's the router. Okay. And it's, ad, and it's uh, admin, admin is the username and password. Is yes, that right? Yes, don't say that on the air. Okay. Because that'll, cut, that'll cut compromise that our... Yeah, this should we don't, be we don't, Yeah, we don't edit for content. Um, it's live to tape. Um, Tumblr. Now, so Tumblr... Now this, now, this feels, now this feels like a dumb topic. No, I like the topic computers. because... I don't like computer talk. I love computers. Just what looking you, at you, them, it's touching your network. It. You start touching a computer? Touching it. Do you clean it first? Clean it, touch it. God, you see this keyboard. You should see it. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Remember when I, Marco had all the little Coke cans on his desk? That was so cute. He, stay, well, he, wouldn't, he didn't want to have a legit standing desk. He didn't want to do it. He wouldn't do it. So he built his own. He just got some planks, planks of wood, some Coke, and he told the world that, look, look at this. All you need is Coca-Cola and a Microsoft keyboard. And a dream. As- aspartame, they call it. 
Do you say aspartame or aspartame? How do you say it? <laughs> I, that, all, that awful addictive crack-like stuff they put in Diet Coke. Aspar, aspartame? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's artisanal. Anyway, uh, this is a long walk off a uh, short topic, but um, the second part people talk about a lot was the um, amount that was paid in cash, which I think is a little unusual. Right, there was no stock aspect to the deal is the thing. Yeah, it's, I don't know anything about this stuff, but it seems like a lot of times in an acquisition, um, oh, this is so to do, but you, um, is that how you pronounce it? Aspartame to do? Is this, a, this is your new app you're talking about? Or? Is this the show? And, and uh, but you know, I think or, a lot of times, I'm, I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna postulate. I'm going to guess that they were a ripe uh, acquisition target, and that um, you know, a lot of times, obviously, they want to give you stock because stock. They want to give you like you know the, the golden handcuffs of you have to stay with us for a while to be able to vest. You've, you know, you've got to be here, and also that you know, hey, we're not just going to give you a bunch of real money, you know. That you can, <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't have as much stake in the future of the company. I guess if they yeah. just give you cash, who knows? There's probably a payout schedule for that. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, uh, the reason I, I wanted to talk about this, the reason I didn't want to talk about all of that, and then talk about this, was that I thought Marco had a really good post about this. Um, it was a really enjoyable little trip down the history of Tumblr, and you know, it's it, like so many of these things. It's so amazing how it starts out with such a small team and such a limited scope. Um. And then becomes like such a huge thing. Did you see that thing I posted where, where Nelson and I kind of came up with the idea for Tumblr without realizing it already existed? Nelson. Nelson yeah. Mand- Mandela? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. 24 years. And anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny. No, I, I just, I, I saw these. What was this? Oh, look at this. I, I, uh, I discovered Marcio Tumblr. Marcio Takara? What? Marcio Takara? Am I saying that right? I, I, I don't even know what show I'm on anymore, Dan. What do you, you, what do you bat, It's like Batman and oh, Robin yeah, yeah. And, and back artists who make me cry. Isn't that pretty? You know the one I really like? Look at that um, Marvel Girl and Cyclops. I love that drawing style of that person. <sighs> Isn't that style. pretty? This is such good stuff. Isn't that beautiful drawings? Um, if I could draw like that, never, hmm. I'd never leave. Drawing like that, you don't need all at once. Man, this is a good... Where did you find... Oh, this is a Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr. Hmm. I can click follow and now I'm... Gonna see that in my thing in the dashboard. Didn't oh. you invent Tumblr and then found out it existed? It was pretty funny because I, I I had been wanting to have uh, a Tumble log site, and the only things I had found for doing it were these things on like SourceForge with these like weird, <clears throat> excuse me, like a weird Ruby script or weird Python script that you would run that was pretty minimal. Um, and so I tried to kind of hack on it with something like I want to say like TypePad. Or movable type. I tried to come up with this incredibly minimal minimal site, but I really loved the bookmarklet idea in particular. You know what I mean? Making it really easy to be on a page. And Tumblr did that so well. But it's funny if you go and read that post. It's in show notes. Where my initial email pitch to to Nelson about this, and he he threw together a little. Who is this Nelson person? And um, I don't see the post. I don't see Nelson. I'm serious. I'm legitimately asking you. This is a real question. He is at Nelson. Nelson. Somebits.com. Somebits.com. I think he used to be at monkey.org, but you can see him at some bits. And um, uh, I, li- I want to literally start over. Now, I, you know, Marco wrote a nice, nice post about it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for Tumblr. Uh, I wish they would fix how the HTML is on escape. Maybe, maybe that's something that Marissa can get on. But um, he said something in one of the closing paragraphs of, of his uh, very good... Uh, post on marco.org which is also in show notes a link to that um 
Let me get the exact quote right. It means you are wanting dog buns. <laughs> he says, as for me, I wasn't a founder financially. David was generous with uh, employee stock options. Um, as long as I manage investments properly and don't spend recklessly, Tumblr Tumblr's given my family a strong safety net and given me the freedom to work on whatever I want. And that's exactly what I plan to do, which I, I love. I love hearing that. I mean, I, anybody who can say that, like, I don't know. I, I, I would have nothing for, but aloha for somebody who can say that. And shame on you if you're one of the people out there who's trying to make him feel bad about that. It's, and that's why, I made, that's why I mentioned the Ricky Roma quote. It's so pathetic to me when somebody has to feel envy for someone else's apparent success, not knowing anything about that person's actual life, to go out and vilify that person because they've done something valuable. I think that's such a small thing, and it makes you such a small person to try and take out the long knives and go after somebody like that and shame on anybody who does that. Not just my friends, but anybody. It's pathetic. Um, but I love the idea of a safety net, and that's what I wanted to talk about because, <clears throat> I mean, I think we all would love to have a safety net, right? I mean, there are certainly people who save better than others. There are people who plan better than others. But I was, uh, the, the topic at minute 37, mm-hmm. um, I like the idea of talking about if you had a safety net, perhaps a surprise newfound safety net, the lottery that everybody wants to win. Ask how many people who won the lottery if they're happy. Turns most out. of them are not, and mo- I've, I've I've heard some weird statistic. I don't know if it's accurate, but like most of them are bank are actually worse off several years into it than they were uh, prior to winning it. Many, yeah. I, I don't know about most. Many. I, I am I am not surprised one iota, and, and we've 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 talked about this in a number of kind of orthogonal ways in the past. But there's that phrase I used to use a lot in the early episodes of, you know, why is Elvis unhappy? Well, Elvis is unhappy because he's always going to be Elvis. He's always going to be a kid from an impoverished background who whatever success um, Elvis accomplished in life, he brought with him the baggage of having this really weird family life and growing up in, in just squalid poverty. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there are that many people that incrementally change their personality out of a situation like that to where they can say, Oh, well, I'll enjoy this raise and I'll enjoy this other raise. It's like we're all always looking for this big brass ring, but then even if we get the brass ring, then we want five more brass rings. Mm. I don't think there's that many people out there who can have a sudden giant change in their life, whether that's getting a TV show or whether that's winning the lottery or whether that's having a liquidity event for something that you worked really, really hard on. Um, I think in Marco's case, he'll probably do pretty well, but you know, I mean, in terms of like handling it, but you know, why is that related to the show? Because, you know, it's, to me, it's related because there are all these things, we've talked about this so much, Dan, but like there's all these things we think we want and then we feel like we can't get. And then there's a million things that we don't do because everybody else gets to do that stuff. And wah, wah, wah. And, you know, now Marco gets to buy a yacht and isn't that funny? Um, well, actually, he, that's specifically what he said he's not going to do, but whatever. He's not even um, going to do the, the day and uh, night phone so he can be on the offense. You know, there's, there's no way to inoc yourself, inoculate, inoculate yourself against how boorish and ignorant strangers can treat you. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's sickening to me the way people treat strangers, specific strangers. I'm not talking about like just like a whole bunch of people, but I'm saying like singling people out for some kind of scorn when you like don't know anything about that person apart from their public facing side. I just think that's so lame. And um, anyway, but like Jermaine did the show, I think. I sound kind of mad about that, don't I? Little, bugs, I mean, a little, but 
bugs me. It bugs me. I'm, I'm sick of hearing about Kim Kardashian. Can we move on? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, do you have that little in your life that you have to look at some pregnant lady's gut on, on a magazine? <laughs> like, really think about that for a minute. That's so bizarre. You want to, you're buying this thing because it's got pictures of Siri Cruz on it? Like, what is wrong with you? Siri? Suri, what's her name? Shirley? Don't Siri, call her Shirley. Siri, yeah, Siri. But I think it's an interesting question because it gets to a million, it's a, and this is a MacGuffin inside a MacGuffin. <clears throat> it's a double, uh, it's an egg, egg MacGuffin. It took me a second. Yeah, me too. Because uh, Bimo that was the question. Found an egg. Hmm? Bimo found an egg. How do you get so pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> who's the mother? Oh, who's the father? So that's a, that's in your top five. I'll tell you if you can keep a secret. That's in show notes. Bimo is singing about being pregnant. It's in show notes. Uh, that was the question I wanted to ask, the rhetorical question that we can hopefully make less rhetorical, is uh, what did I specifically, what would you do differently tomorrow if you suddenly had a safety net? And, and, and here's, and so this is like one of those party games, like one of those, uh, whatever, uh, apples, uh, apples to magnadoodles that you play. You know, there's rules here. So this, is, this is not numb, right? What, is, what does it mean to have a safety net? Well, it's how interesting do you, to sit yeah, around. How do you get to a safety net? Well, you know, like when like Finn and Jake like walk into some giant chamber in a cave and it's like there's it's literally filled with gold. I think that's a lot of people's idea of success. Is I go from being a regular schlub who never got the breaks everybody else got to suddenly having a a treasure room, right? Like you walk into the Indiana Jones room and there's untold riches, and inside each one of those little doubloons is a promise you'll never have to worry about anything again. Which is which is just incredibly adolescent to me. At best, it's really more childlike. It's more it's like you pour out all your pennies on the bed and roll around on them, you know. Because um, I think there's two two parts to that that are interesting, and I I didn't mean this to be a rant so much as an actual question. I want to get to the question part, but I think the interesting thing inside of that in the uh, egg MacGuffin is that it's pretty good. Is that on the one hand, even people who have lots of stuff still want more stuff, or or more, more saliently, they still fear that they need more stuff. That every every safety net could be stronger. Hmm. It could be finer. Uh, it could be bigger and wider. And then you could always use two or three more nets under that one because we're, everybody wants to be safe. Like you is, the, be- is the goal of the safety net to not have to work? That because- is a fan- that is a fantastic, especially like a Dan Benjamin question. But but just to finish this one. So part yeah, one. Sorry. Part I, one just, I, just, I, just, I had to get no no no. I want to because I, I actually Call that would planting like- seeds. Hmm. Hmm. Tossing your seeds around. But then, because I think the, the other part of that that is specifically the, a back-to-work thing also, is what are you not doing now because you don't have that magical safety net yet? And, and I, I'd love to hear what you... I think I, think, I think I know what your answer is. So you, the question being, if you did get... And here's, but here's what makes the party game interesting. What if the party game is, like, you have enough to pay your bills mm-hmm. and maybe have enough for an okay retirement as long as you don't accidentally invest in Facebook. Like if you, did you read that article no. about the lady, the lady who put half of her life savings into Facebook mm-hmm. and then tried to cancel it right before. Anyway, it was on the Atlantic or something. Oh, I'll post it in show notes. It was a really sad, amazing story about the IPO. But, um, you know, that I think to keep the, the game interesting, it isn't a question of like, you don't, you don't get to ask the genie, for more wishes as one of your wishes. Like what if you had enough of whatever you need to do something? And like, what do you really not have right now that that safety net would eventually provide that isn't just sitting in a hammock? 
I think that is a very, that can be a very probing and informative question to ask yourself. So do you want to start at the beginning? Yeah, go ahead. Um, what would you do if you had a safety net? And in particular, Dan Benjamin, would you, would you stop working? Uh, see, I think that is the, is the thing. For me, no. I would not. Uh, I would not. I would absolutely not stop working. I would keep working. I probably would work more because I like the stuff that I do. I might work on some different kinds of things within the context of the stuff that I do. But I think both of you and I are in a situation where we get to work on really cool stuff most of the time. And most of the people who are listening to this are probably in what we would call on, on uh, the uh, quit show, the corporate stooge type job. Like they're going into an office. They don't especially like it. They're working hours. They're underappreciated, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like for them, what they crave is escape from that. So for somebody, I can only imagine, but for somebody like in, in Marco's situation where he's got several properties that he has that make him money, he's got, you know, he's got the, uh, the magazine, he had uh, Instapaper, he has uh, his podcast show. All of these things were streams of income and things that he, it sounds like, really enjoyed doing. And for him, his, I, don't, I don't expect that his life will change very much like his day-to-day. I think it will stay pretty much the same. Maybe he'll get a few things here and there, you know, whatever you, one does when you're, you know, now you can imagine a multimillionaire, like you buy your mom a car or something. But for me, no, I, I, would, I would feel much more relaxed. Uh, and I, that fear that everything is going to be gone tomorrow morning when I wake up would probably subside a lot. But I would not change anything that I do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, disregard yeah. things in fact i can't imagine I, you just like sitting around and watching the prices right oh hell no no like i would not take a beach vacation i would not you know no none of that um but even like once you once you pay your bills once you pay let's say once you paid every bill like you could reasonably pay for a year once you've paid off debt like once you've whatever set everybody in your family up with with some kind of happiness um once you've got your kids situated for college once you once you've done all of the not that interesting, but like when you get to be my age, the things you would love to be able to do to have a sense of security, like even if you had enough money to do all of that, and you probably never will. I don't think that that would be, I, I, I would actually kind of doubt that Marco got that kind of dough. I don't think you could take care of all of that stuff. For one thing, there's always going to be one more relative that needs a car. Mm. There's always going to be one more person who needs surgery that they can't afford. And then once you do buy, I mean, like, boy, you know, again, if you want to be one of the small people who doesn't see this, you know, if you guys out there got that money, you'd go out and buy so much stupid crap on the first day it would make your head spin. But then what? Now you got to buy a case for your iPad. You got to buy a second iPad. You got to get out. You got to go get the uh, scratches on your boat fixed or whatever. Do you think or, it's better that, that if you get money gradually, like, oh, this year I made, you know, $30,000 a year and then I got a 5K raise then I got a 15K raise and I got a new, and so that over the span of five years, you go from 30K to 80K or 100K or whatever, like is that somehow is it like more more like a more graded ramp yeah is that is that somehow going to prevent the lottery effect as you call it hmm. um i, I well i, I like you know what in, I, on, on the it. face of it on the face of it that should because it feels incremental that should make a huge difference but think about what you made 
when you were working uh, when you were 13. Think about what you know what you made when you were maybe doing odd jobs in college. Think about what you made right after college. Did you ever at any point reach a place where for more than a month you felt like you were really situated for life? You might feel, you know what? Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that freaking iPhone so much. And you're so excited about the iPhone. And then you get the iPhone and you like the iPhone. Maybe you love the iPhone, but are you going to be happy for a really, 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 really long time with that iPhone? I think you'll be happy with that iPhone until you stop thinking about it a lot, until you hear there's another one coming. And that's, that's the brass ring problem in some ways, right? If you entered into that uh, existential transaction, by feeling in any way that this was going to have a huge impact on your happiness in life, then I think that's a pattern that will self-replicate until you become very aware of it. And this is why I call it this kind of Elvis problem. Could anybody have had more like enviable success than Elvis? I mean, like he did, you know, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he did, he built his mom that house and yep. he did all those, you know, good things. And then lots of really super creepy stuff. But, you know, he ended his life. Uh, when his life ended, he was in terrible, terrible condition. It wasn't like, and you know, maybe you don't think you're Elvis, you guys, but I, I bet you're not super duper different, you know. And I, that's the same thing that happens with the lottery. You haven't spent your life rehearsing on how to be happy with what you've got. You spent your life rehearsing what's going to happen when this big, fantastic Mr. Rourke scenario comes down, and you're finally going to never have to worry about anything again. And so, when something does come along, as with lottery people, I don't think it's a poor person problem. I don't think it's even a middle class problem. There are a lot of people who do a lot of crazy stuff because they haven't rehearsed that new life that they want. Mm. So I I had a talk with a guy, uh, I guess last week, this really, really cool guy I've been talking to about work stuff. And, um, and I was talking about kind of the weird conditions that led me to moving to California and how that was a very tumultuous time for me. And I, I said this in that, um, scared, you know, talk that I did at Webstock, but you know, a, a version of this, but you know, I thought, I thought my life was like so upside down, so screwed up and so over. And then all this, you know, pretty great stuff happened in the wake of that, where I got a job, they moved me to California. I met the woman who had become my wife and all this good stuff happened. So on the one hand, it's really chilling to me to think about like how that could have gone differently. Uh, <laughs> but I also really thought what I'm just, I'm just continue. Imagine if, if I'd stayed in Tallahassee. Yes. Yeah. That life. Would have kept playing with my band. I, I liked living. Yeah, I mean, I, kid, I mean, the band was good. You can get I them kid back a lot, together. But or? I really liked my friends. I really liked my bars. I really liked my guitar. Like there was a lot I liked about it. It, it didn't hurt to get kicked in the butt a little bit and get unintentionally repotted as a as a human plant. But that's the funny part about it. Is I really, as I said in that talk, I really thought when I moved to San Francisco that I would be going on lots of dates with slender Asian girls in expensive shoes. I really thought, like, with funky underwear, I really thought that's what was going to happen. And it's not what happened. I, I, I fell in love very, very quickly. And so the phrase I use with this guy that may or may not sound relevant is that when I, when I moved from Florida to California, I brought my old self in the suitcase. It wasn't like I just came and came here and was a different person. I was exactly the same person I used to be, mm-hmm. except now I was, I was a fish in, in different water, you know? So I think that's kind of what happens. And so in a, in a way, I guess I mean it, I, uh, by design, I do mean it as a little bit of a trick question. Like, what would you do differently if you had a safety net? Because I think the straight up answer that, you know, most of our listeners are, are not going to fall into that trap of going, oh, I would go, you know, buy 10 boats and crash them into each other. You know, yeah. I'd get a meteor and a cool purple hat, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like the guy at Google. 
Um, <laughs> um, but, but, but see, guess, the, the, when you have the like now the David Carp uh, guy, yeah, the uh, the big uh, the big way over at Tumblr, yeah, he does have that kind of money though. Like he is, he probably yeah, he has, could he has get. What, he has what kind of money? The, like the, never, the never billion. have to worry. Okay, like like he could so, go so out. Do what does he get to do now that he couldn't do before? What will he do or what could he do? What does um, he get I, to do? What he gets to do is he gets taking to... Taking you into a, a Socratic tiger trap, but please continue. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he can go out and buy the boats and buy pretty much everybody in his family anything he wants and live any way that he wants. I don't think he will do this, but I think he could buy the case for the iPad type situation. Right. That's a, and billion, then, a billion dollars. Right. And then a month later, what will he be doing? Buying more stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Or, or maybe, or maybe he'll the feel like... The point is he now, could do, he can do whatever he wants now. Yeah, and yeah. In that class. But like, <laughs> but, you know, it, how many people who can do whatever they want do? A lot of the ones who can do whatever they want have no freaking idea what to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, there's been times in my life when I've had more or less money. And just because I had more money and bought more stuff, it did not make me happy. Like, I'm glad at one point in college, I could buy a stereo. I got so much joy for years and years and years out of that stereo. Like, buying a guitar that I've, you know, uh, the, the guitar that I bought in 1996 or whatever, like, it was 200 bucks, but I'm still really happy with it. The, the acoustic guitar that I bought in college acoustic. for 200 Acoustic. Acoustic guitar. Hi. Acoustic. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Round wound. Um, I'm still very happy with those things. There are, there are, there are like, there are implements of cooking in my kitchen that I am very, very happy with and very, very attached to. Um, we've all got these little talismans, talis persons in our life that, that we really, really like. I really like my iPad mini. Like if I didn't have it, I don't know if I would be permanently unhappy. I do like it. There's a lot of stuff that I'm really attached to and wouldn't want to have to replace with a new version. But I, I think nested in, inside of this assumption is that like, I have this one iPad that I could hardly afford to buy and ooh, now I can buy five or I could buy a new one each month or I could have one in each of my cars or something. Like, you know, on the one hand, there are so many people who would make fun of somebody because they think that's what they're going to do, ha ha, buy a helicopter. But then on the other hand, I'll bet you a bunch of those people would in the first year of that quote unquote wealth and security do so much stupid stuff like that that left them feeling incredibly empty at the end of it. And if that is the case, here's the thing. Like shopping is not work. Shopping is not the production of something that will give you joy in the long run. So the reason, the reason I asked the trick question, and not, not to try and entrap you so much, because I, I, really, I think you really would work. And the reason I'm being... I'm being no, I, uh, I, I definitely would. The reason I'm being carpy about carp is if you look at most people who, who actually are legitimate... Not serial entrepreneurs, but people who do like make stuff over and over. You know what they end up doing with that money is they end up investing in more stuff to make, right? And, which is which is like you can certainly be envious about that because they get to do whatever they want. But it isn't like they sit around throwing hundred dollar bills on the fire just to make you mad. They end up doing more of what they have been doing well before. So you know, it, it, and I, I don't love that phrase, "corporate stooge." I know it's I know it's meant humorously, but I wouldn't want to try and hurt somebody's feelings by saying I actually think they're a stooge. But if if what you have done for twenty years is show up for work and mainly be a little bit dissatisfied, like did you love your last vacation? 
Did you just totally disappear into your last vacation? Uh, well, I don't know if I had more money. I could No, no, stop. Like, did you love your last weekend? When's the last time you loved a weekend? Right. Okay. So having more money will let you have a more expensive weekend. But unless you've practiced enjoying weekends more over your life, it's going to be a very hard change. And, and, and let me just disabuse people of this, of this one myth, which is that once that, you know, switch gets flipped, suddenly all this other stuff lines up, man, uh, to, to, to quote the old, you know, more money, more problems, like all kinds of weird stuff happens. Like once you've, once you've got money for one thing, other people want that money. You know, you might start seeing like crazy lawsuits from people because now you're a big target. Yeah, right. You never know. There's all these weird things that come along with that. All I'm saying is in the same way that people who think they're great at email should ask around, people who think they want to be really, really famous and really, really wealthy and really, really quote unquote secure should ask around because a lot of times it doesn't turn out great. And, and I'm not by any means saying don't try to make money and don't try to do those things. But you have to always remember that you're still in the suitcase all along. Or in this case, you're, you're in that money bag. The old you came right along with it. You know, Elvis was sitting there literally eating gargantuan bowls of mashed potatoes. And he was one of the richest and certainly one of the best known entertainers in the world. He sat in a room like, like shooting his TV. Like, is that, is that where you want to end up? Well, you're different from Elvis, right? You guys are really different because you've really thought this stuff through and like you have a big plan. Well, so part one of that is like, you know, like I say, I don't mean to sound angry about it, but it's, it's really frustrating to me when people are shooting down from the peanut gallery about something they half understand. But then the deeper question is like, okay, so like, wh what would you make if, if you had that security? Like, and how much security would it take before you could finally produce something cool? Because I think that is a huge barrier for people. You know, it's one of the topics of our show is barriers. This show, yeah, we do talk about that. Aside in the uh, keywords. But it's a, all of that, all of that yelling is, is partly out of, out of frustration for this ensmallening of our culture where nobody else is allowed to have anything cool because we don't have everything. Everybody else gets all, you know, that's fine for everybody else, you know? And we, we just, we're always, we always have this like ready supply of schadenfreude for how everybody else gets to do all this cool stuff. Well, you know, boy, is that ever a limiting way to go through life? You know, it's how can you find your own joy in life apart from just trying to find somebody else's not joy in life? It's just, it's, it's so, it's so weird to me. So the useful part, I hope, is to think about, okay, here comes a nice Merlin. Uh, oh, I do like him. Yeah. Good Merlin, bad Merlin. Um, he's like a little devil and there's yeah. like a little, little angel hey, like, on the other side. <laughs> you know what you ought to do? Why don't you order some mashed potatoes and eat them? Why don't you shoot your TV? <laughs> There's hey, like you know two little voices, you know. Hey, you rich. Why don't you get a bigger spoon? God, if somebody in our audience needs to make me a little Merlin devil and a little Merlin angel doll, and I'll put one on a shoulder, I will wear them every day. It's like in the Enchiridion where <laughs> at the end of the ordeal, he sees the little the key guy, except now he's dressed up like his, the devil. And he beats him up and he goes, no, these are my pajamas. <laughs> I was getting ready for bed. <laughs> anyway, Adventure Time is funny. But uh, this goes back to an old thing that I think is worth, you know, pondering, uh, you know, is that like, well, like what safety net would you need to do something that you'd really like? And how will you know when you've gotten enough of a safety net that you can do cool stuff? Or I guess another way to put it, if I, that, that sounds cynical. No, maybe, I like that one. Maybe, that, maybe that's cynical and maybe a better way to put it is, well, no, I just mean in the sense of like, well, maybe you are making stuff that you like, but you don't have that safety net yet. So on the one hand, how much of a safety net would you need to not be an incredibly anxious person who has to deal with the fact that none of us have everything we'd like? 
Um, and then I think in a much more common way that is extremely disquieting for most of us. Like, what are you not making right now because you're sitting around and, and waiting for your own liquidity event? And when you get older, you have a lot more liquidity events, if you know what I mean. No, I do. Jump in. Okay, so here's, first of all, let me, let me roll back. And let's put a dollar amount. Let's throw a dollar amount out. Because I think people want something tangible to cling to. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I, 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 I guess, but I think no, they do. Kind of- they do. They do. Okay. Because when I was, you know, 21 years old, if somebody had written me out a hundred thousand dollar check, now keep in mind, I lived in Florida and San Francisco. That's like a month's rent. It's a lot of money. But a hundred thousand bucks, write out a hundred thousand dollar check. I would have been like, I'm never working again, you know, like that. And that doesn't that could, feel like like that? That's like that's like three years of of like whatever I want or more. I mean, it was right. just I my first job out of school. I made twenty one thousand five hundred dollars, and I was rich. I was rich. I didn't, and I was terrified to spend a penny of it. And I was rich, like I could. I was like, man, I I I really need a new pair of jeans. No, I don't. I don't know if I want that pair. And I would stress out about, oh, what should I, should I buy that pair of jeans? No, you know what? I'll wait. Maybe they'll be on sale next month. Like this is before mm-hmm. the, the real internet. So you couldn't just go and check your email address and, and your email account and see that they had sent you to your non-spam address. Oh, you know, here's a discount coupon that you can just use and buy it online. This didn't happen. You just had to like go to the store and see if there was something on sale. And I would stress out about like a purchase that was in the $30 range. Very stressful decision for me. Really? Yes. Very, wow. very stressful decision for me. We didn't, we didn't buy anything ever. They didn't buy anything ever. And the idea of buying my first house, like a $100,000 house. And yeah, it was a shoebox. But like when they qualified us for the loan, we were qualified at $175,000 house. And that, the magnitude of of a purchase of 175, it was like, that. that's not a house, you know, that's a mansion, and let's let's focus on the ones that are 90K. And they were so awful, but that's that's what you did because I, didn't, I was terrified to spend any money. What I think a, a, a big chunk of money does, at the very least, if the person has a, a sane head on their shoulders, is it takes away... And we've talked about fear a lot. You, my whole life has been motivated by fear. It, yep. it, it takes away some degree of that fear or concern. Here's an example. Okay. Now, neither of us, uh, I would think, fit into the pre-Tumblr uh, Marco um, category of having the, these, you know, wonderful properties that, you know, we, I have five by five work hard at. You do kind of, I'm not sure, but lots of different things. And yeah. each of us, you know, I think we, we, we look up to our friends who have built these great things and whether it was, you know, a combination of a great skill and great timing, we can say, wow, he's, he's built something really great, you know, and we, I think all as listeners of these shows, we're all motivated to try and do something like that. So, you know, I've been doing five by five, what, four years now? Five, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. It's it's over three, right? Yeah. It's, it's four. I think it's four. Anyway. You know, I'm at a point now. I t- did I tell you that some lady uh, went through a stop sign and hit my, hit my, hit my car? I totally did. Oh, okay. no. You're nice. You're nice. You're nice car. The nice car. But uh, oh, here's man, the thing. I'm sorry, man. It doesn't matter. Beca- here's why. I'm in a situation now 
where because of this fear that I've had for so long about not spending any money that I know like it was her fault. And of course she's lying about whether it was her fault or not. She's saying something that's completely not true. That's fine. That's not the issue. The issue, the issue is, the issue is if, if I have to pay my deductible, like I'm not happy about that. That's really awful. But like, I'm not going to stress out about that anymore. And I think that that that's what happens to somebody with a sane head on their shoulders if they suddenly get a whole bunch of money. That they're they're not necessarily going to go and run out and start buying things that are like crazy, but they're going to know that okay, if something bad happens, if I have to write out a check for my deductible, I can do that. If right. I want to go out to dinner with my friends who are visiting in town, I will pick up the check. I won't look at the check. I'll put my American Express card down and just pay for it. And I don't. I'm not going to. Well, wait a minute. Did you get the the lobster biscuit that I, you know, okay, I'll get it. It's you, you just, oh no, I'm paying guys. And it's not that you're showing off. It's just, you can now do something nice without really worrying about it. You can go and buy a pair of jeans, even if they're not on sale. And I think that's without, without like checking your balance without like, Oh man, do we have it? Wait, if I move money over before I go out and I didn't, my wife might've just bought something. You don't have to go through those things. You can just go and say, Oh, I saw a nice pair of jeans and I needed a new pair and I bought them. And that I think is, is, is what I think of as what I would like to have as a, was it, was the word safety net to me? Mm-hmm. That's what that means. It's not go crazy and buy all kinds of crap all over the place. It's right. be able to do some nice things for yourself and for other people without that stress associated with it. Knowing that crap, my car got hit, but like, I know I can pay the deductible. And I know I'll get it fixed. And if they stick me with a crap rental car, because they're only going to give me $22 a day for the rental car, that I can bump it up to a decent midsize sedan for an extra eight bucks a day for a week. And it's not going to stress me out. That is the safety net I think that uh, rational people that is would. Very, that is a very sane and grown up way to think of that. Is that you've just, so it's security in the sense that if you conducted your life uh, in the way that you've, maybe not even always wanted to, but if you, the person you'd like to be is somebody who's not up all night worrying about a deductible. The person you'd like to be is somebody who can quietly pick up the check for a pretty nice dinner. Right. Right. Like that's, that's not the same thing as like buying in Elvis's case, deciding that he's into pickup trucks and buying pickup trucks for 13 people and making them drive them. Right. Which he did. Now, Howard Hughes would just say, Oh, you know, get out of here. <laughs> get out, yeah. You don't like the noise I'm making in the hotel. I'm just going to go buy the hotel. You know, um, and now it's my yeah. hotel, so don't don't complain about the noise anymore. That's a, that's a great chapter you know, in that book mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, oh, okay, fine, I'll just, you know what, <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to evict me, I'll just buy the hotel. How's that? Yeah. Um. Can can I can I do my karma suck thing? Go ahead, caller. Thank you. Uh, first time sucker. <laughs> Not really. Um. <laughs> first of all, I want to I want to stipulate and see to you that 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 was that those are great examples. So you know you 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 get the. Uh, you're not stressing out about this stuff. And even, and like, maybe even, let me just even put a little more frosting on that cake. Like you can maybe do this thing that I feel like I don't do well, which is like, I don't like having, I can handle worrying about one thing at a time. I don't, I'm not good at handling worrying about five things at a time. I, I, I have trouble as good as I am at compartmentalizing. I sometimes find it very difficult to be able to, to juggle anxiety in that particular way. So I would even say that, whatever you want to call a safety net would be getting you to where um, you get to worry about fewer things at a time and you get to be pickier about what you've decided to worry about instead of having it visited upon you. Right. Yeah. Kind of. 
Um, but here's just to kind of give a little bit of a spin on this. So let's say you go out to dinner with two other couples. And so the six of you go out to dinner at this place. And let's say you're even pretty good pals. You know each other well. Uh, you, you get a really nice dinner. You get a bottle or two of wine. You get dessert. Like if you did that at a nice restaurant, that's going to be probably over $600. Yeah. If you, if you really did all of those things and it was like a pretty nice restaurant. It's not, if you're getting wine and you're doing the whole nine, you, uh, you will spend at least $600 plus, plus tip on that. So it would be nice to be the kind of person who can, uh, without making a big fuss about it and whipping out your giant ass wa- giant butt wallet, you, you, uh, you would just quietly take care of that. And they would say, oh, no, no. And they do start doing that Amy Poehler thing where they're like slap fix up and for their wallet. And you go, no, no, please. Thank you. It's, I, I'm really happy to do it. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you for coming out tonight. That's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, first of all, like, um, if you do that once, even if it's people who you love, um, they're going to be really happy they got a free meal, but it's going to also change just the tiniest bit. I think it'll change what they think of you. Because first so, of all, so worse, you mean? I don't know. I see. I just think it'll be different. Like if you, if you did that. So you come to town, you come visit Austin. Right. And I'm like, oh, awesome. You know, you're here. And like, we go out and we get a nice dinner. And I say, oh, let me get this. You're a guest here in my town. See, I think that's, I think that's a little different. Maybe, how about this? How about a better way is like, or in addition to this, think about like going out to lunch with your buddies. And we've both joked about, or joked, haha, about how we can't stand the, the bills. But I think we talked about this. Like, uh, I know John Roderick and I have talked about this. The bill splitting people who are like trying to get it down to every nickel. Yeah, and I'll just like, yeah. give me the bill. I don't want to hear literally another syllable about this. We're going back to the office like gentlemen. And so, you know, I'll pick up the $26 tab at, at lunch or whatever. But even in that case, like if you did that once, you know, people might go, wow, thanks. That's really cool and weird because we always split up the bill. Okay. So already now you're doing something really different than what's been done before. You know, in a lot of cases with my pals, if we have regular dinners, just with like my friend Dennis and I, um, my, my old roommate in Tallahassee, we would always just basically without thinking about the bill too much, one of us, and I just, my friend Ben right now, we go out to lunch every few weeks and we just basically know whose turn it is. And one person gets the bill every time and you alternate. Like, I think that's really sane, but like if it was a, if it was a, with a group of people and we're talking about triple digits, like the first time you did it, that would be super cool. And maybe nothing at all would change, but I'll bet you for at least one person there, they'd be thinking, wow, that's cool. But wow, Dan must have like a really, like a lot of money. Um, and wouldn't you love to be able to do it more than once? Oh, yeah. But what if you did it two times in a row? Because you got the money, right? Remember, you got a safety net now. Let's say you pick up the tab twice. Now you've officially set a precedent. And you, you, might, even, you might look like kind of a douche. You might look incredibly um, generous. But that, now those people think of you as somebody who's going to pick up the bill. And so what happens the next time you go? I'm not saying maybe this is a straw man, but I think this happens. I have some friends with a fair amount of dough who are incredibly... Uh, penurious. Like they will, they never got more meticulous about splitting up a bill than after they got a bunch of money. Because at that point, everybody knew how much money they had. And I, you know, I also, this is a little bit, I don't want to just talk about money because like the money part is really boring in some ways. The security comes from, it should be a knock on effect of that money, but there's a lot more security than having money. If you think otherwise, you need to read more Alan Watts. But, um, so you do it, maybe you do it twice, even over like a period of time. Well, you're upsetting the equilibrium of those relationships in some ways. 
because you're also kind of tacitly saying, I'm the only one here who can afford to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't some of those other people love to be in the position of picking up that tab? But you know, they, 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 they want to pay their part, right? Now, all of a sudden, like you're kind of the dad and maybe on the one hand, people start expecting you to do that. You do it repeatedly. And I think, in my opinion, unless you are very careful about that and really think about what you want to do, you may, let's even say you've got more than enough money to do that every time it suits you. I think most people don't. I think if most people pick up a $600 tab every time it occurs to them and they start buying three pairs of jeans because they, they used to be scared to buy one and now they buy three because they can, I think that's the way your money goes away real fast, even if you've got a lot of it. You know, just because just because you see a whole bunch of zeros on there doesn't mean it's going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And if you if if your old patterns of thinking about how you would do something like that continue for more than a few months, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be very surprising to draw the trend line on how that security is going to go. But anyway, there, there, I I would love to be able to do that too. I, I've done that sometimes, and it feels really great. If if it's a guest that's in town, I'll frequently you know I'll pick up, pick up the tab, and I'm more than happy to let somebody pick up the tab if it's a business thing. Or I'm out of town, you know, like, you know, gosh, you know, Mark, that dinner we had uh, in Atlanta was nutballs. It was really good. And it was, I think it was pretty expensive, but you know, I'm his guest there. That's normal culture. That's, that's, that's not, I'm not changed or like, I don't know how much money he's got. I don't know. He doesn't know how much money I got, but I mean like in that instance or security, whatever you want to call it, but that didn't like, like change our relationship. That was just a nice thing to do. But, um, I wonder if you can still watch that behind the music on MC Hammer. Oh yeah, because that's that's uh, that's the cautionary tale, man. <sighs> Tell you what, because you know what, I don't he remember was, all the details, but I remember the gist of it, and uh, that didn't. He, was, he made he made a fair amount of money. Unlike a lot of entertainers, he actually did see that money. Remember, the Rolling Stones didn't see much of any money uh, until they got a new manager who well and truly rooked them. First, they didn't make a lot of money, so then they hired a new manager who basically completely screwed them over. All those people that are so successful and have everything. Uh, I'll go ask Billy Joel about being a multi-platinum selling artist and then discovering that his manager had stolen all of his money from him, mm. right? When you're walking away from the ATM with 400, however much dollars in your pocket, like you take out the maximum amount and you walk 10 blocks with that cash in your pocket, do you feel any different than you would before? Well, on the one hand, you might feel like a big shot because you got a big pimp roll, but I feel a little bit like I'm going to keep my head down and really look like somebody who doesn't have a bunch of cash in their pocket. Right. I personally, if I'm carrying, like, for example, like you have to do a bank deposit, like nobody driving down the road, nobody can tell that you have one of those bank right. bags in your car. You're the only one who knows that. But aren't you more nervous than usual? I'll tell you why you're nervous, because you've got a lot to lose. <laughs> and even if you got it in something extremely secure, like one of our incredibly dependable banks that loves us so much, yeah. like that is just more stuff to worry about. The so, things you own, own you. That's, Yeah. Hmm. I just don't like that movie. I don't like it. No, I know. Too hits too close to home for you. I think. Well, it's, it's too close for the make believe uh, friend of mine. I watched that John Nash movie again last week. Oh yeah, it's you know I got to tell you, buddy, it is like um, like looking in a mirror for you. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the Aviator in the sense of uh, for me, and I, I suspect for you, it's very difficult to watch the Aviator or A Beautiful Mind without honestly actively wondering if I might be crazy. Don't you get that a little bit when you watch The Aviator? Yes. Thank you for admitting that. Anyway, um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to browbeat people. Don't you feel like sometimes you feel like he's talking actually to you? Not like to the camera, but to you. Yeah, I get jealous when, he, uh, when I pretend he's talking to other people. I know. That's or a like when he looks over to the, to the one guy and he says something to the other guy and you're like, no, 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 talk back, talk to me again. I have very confusing hallucinations. 
Oh boy, that's a good movie. It's from and the I did not. And I hmm, four twenty. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad about what they want. I am trying to make them feel bad about about Schadenfreude uh, for people that you don't know. That's just that's just small. But but what I am asking um, on the one hand is like how much of whatever that and this goes straight back. Wow, to like so many episodes. Like what's what's your barrier? What's stopping you? Like. And, and like, whether from whatever that is, like you see yourself, there's this vision of you being happy. Well, if your whole vision of being happy depends on a series of extremely large financial events, that's really problematic because it may happen. It probably won't happen. And meanwhile, you're going to be tooling through the rest of your life, walking around, just being mad at everybody you think is more successful and happy than you. Well, what about you? Like, how are you going to get happy? And then if that event does come along, like, are you ready for how much that could change you? So the MC Hammer story, it sounds silly. And I joked about it on The Simpsons and stuff like that. But if I remember correctly, like, um, he really seems like a genuinely, like, like a nice guy. He's a nice Christian man right. from, from Oakland. And he's a, he seems like a very cool guy. And so, you know, he made some pretty good dough. He had a hit record. And he, from what I can gather, on the one hand, was extremely generous with his family. And on the other hand, started developing an increasingly large entourage. Mm. Okay. And, and so like any kind of these social diagrams you draw, you start saying, Oh, you know, if I had money, I would just make sure that my girlfriend got waxed on a regular basis. Okay. That's pretty manageable. And if I got enough money, I would make sure that my, I fixed my dog's hip dysplasia. Okay. That's really cool. I buy my, I buy my mom and my dad a house cause they're divorced. Okay. It does not take a giant leap of imagination to see how easy it is for this to branch off in many, many directions. Unless you've thought it out, and I bet you haven't thought it out. I bet you've got a couple fantasies in mind for, for who you're going to impress and make happy with all of this stuff. But in the case of Hammer, uh, if I remember correctly, i, I got to see this again because it was such a good, such a weird, like sad episode. But he had a ton of money, and he would do stuff like, he would, like, let's say you got, let's say you got some money, right? And you buy like a nice gift, for somebody for Christmas, like for your wife. And then you say, well, actually, now that I'm so secure, I'll also buy a nice gift for all my brothers and sisters. And again, follow this out. Pretty soon you're buying really nice gifts for your nieces and nephews mm. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just bought, you just bought their parents a car. You, you're going you're gonna to give them a Best Buy gift card for 20 bucks? You want to get them something really cool. And if you think this isn't you, really think about it. Because remember, you got all that money now, right? You're rich. And so... What happened was then the entourage comes along. You start out, you got a handful of your buddies and you're picking up the tab for all your buddies because you're the head of the entourage. Like, you know, and then you know what? Everybody in that entourage, they got pals too. So now you got a bunch of plus ones for the show that you got to take care of. You got all these people you got to get into the shows. They're getting into the show. How they get into the show? Oh, well, we better get them a ride. Okay. So now you're getting limo rides for people. Again, if you think this isn't you, really think about it because it might be you. It happens. If you go down the road of being like the guy who wants to pick up the tab, you may soon find yourself expecting a lot of people expecting you to pick up the tab. And then before you know it, ask anybody out there who's one of these, these rich uh, entrepreneurs you're so envious of people. Like, you know what they worry about every day? They worry about making payroll. They worry about like how many people like now depend on them. Oh, yeah. Right? To, to, to like you're all those other people now I mean, you and I have talked so much about like being in a company and you're like, you're not loving it. 
and you're like, you're waiting for the raise. You're waiting for the, I think if you said like, you know, you see, like you said, you've seen in companies like, oh, all I need is this many direct reports and I'll be happy. Right. Or all I need is this much more income. Or like, why don't I get the parking space? Why does Dave get more lamps? <laughs> it's this constant, constant, you know, we're not bringing up the B word here, but that's really what it's all about. This constant keening toward not the lamp, but the desire to have the lamp is what is at the heart of it. You'll be fine. There's plenty of lights, especially with those big fluorescents. That's awful. They're just awful. I but you know, I can't sit under a fluorescent. Hammer yeah. ended up uh, having some pretty serious problems because apparently he got, he's all paid up. Like he paid up the IRS now. He's okay. But I mean, all of that stuff, like it's all I'm trying to get at is that it can suck when that stuff creeps up on you in the same way that any kind of bill can, I guess. But even if you've got all of that security, I don't know. We never did arrive at that number, but you know, no matter how big I that number 15, is, 15, 10 to 15 million. That's your idea of, that's your security net? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. That's a lot of dough. Oh, no, I'll tell you why. Uh, and I didn't do this math. <laughs> You've thought this out. You no, got, I didn't do the a, math. You got a solver or an Excel spreadsheet for I, I didn't do the math. A friend of mine did the math. So I'm, I'm quoting him. I should probably go and, and you know, and do the work as, as you say. But yes. he did, maybe it was 12 was in there, but it was, it was in that range. And what he said is that way you could live at the like, maybe you're making about 100 to 120K a year as if you would if you were, you know, uh, being a very well-paid type person in technology or something. You could live that way off of whatever the interest that was generating plus pulling from the money enough so that you could live through your seems really sensible retirement age and 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 so that so that and and have money to pay for like two kids to go to college and leave them some money like that was the way that plus plus your principal is always there if you if something really happens exactly Exactly. you treat that you treat that like almost like family money old family money that you would never touch right the principal that you're just you're just pulling money from the in essentially from the interest or the interest and a little bit of the principal that you're pulling from that every year and that allows you to live a, a a very reasonable but nice lifestyle you're not buying a new car every month you know but but every 5 years you get a new car you know right. that living that kind of lifestyle and um and you know oh a tree fell on the roof and we have a $3,500 deductible to pay, you can write that check out and you're not going to stress out about it. But, you know, that, so that was the lifestyle. And I think the number that he had come up with was like 12 or 13. It was in the 10 to $15 million range. So if you have that, you never need to work. You can travel, you can do all these wonderful things. And so that, that is the definitive safety net that I think, and then if you do work, you can work yeah, on that's something that you like <laughs> to work on. Oh, I like to do this kind of thing. I'm going to do this kind of thing. And if I don't like it, I can leave or I can start my own company or I can, you know, I can get a small, uh, fancy, you know, office for myself in San Francisco and, <sighs> you know, and have a personal office and, and not stress about the cost of, of that. So that's, I think that is, I think that makes a lot of sense. I have to be honest. Yeah, no, I think that makes it, you know what you're describing. Yeah, I would love that. That would, that would be awesome. So now (laughs) all I need is, is, is that kind of money. But I mean, the karma suck part again is like, uh, and I don't want to be, I don't want to become this person that's guessing about strangers any more than the people I'm castigating. But do you think most people who may, let's say even over two years, right. That it wasn't just like one big check from publishers clearinghouse arrived, but do you, and again, most people, we're talking about whatever, you know, 390 million people in America, for example. Um, do you think most people would do that? 
you think most people would have a plan for that where they would go, okay, I'm going to take this nest egg and distribute it over these different kinds of like mostly bulletproof investments and then live off the interest? Do you think that's what most people win the lottery do? No way. Because why? I, I think because most people... Like, why are they different? Why, they're, we're, we're so smart and, and like they're so dumb. What, what is it they're doing that we wouldn't do if we got that payoff, that payday? I don't know. I mean, you know, I've heard, I've, when I've asked people this, I've heard people say, well, the people who play the lottery are uneducated. Well, that's not true. A lot of educated people play the lottery. I don't think it has anything to do with education. I don't think it has to do anything with like their current status. It's not because, oh, well, they don't have money. That's why they're playing the lottery. Plenty of people with money play the lottery. So I don't know. Oh, I've, I, I, yeah, I know. I, well, um, uh, I think the difficulty of answering that is the answer is that most of us would do that. Right. And so, um, well, a couple of things, first of all, I, it's, I live the, the culture of a lot of folks in my neighborhood. He said, unping-pongingly, there's a lot of gambling in my neighborhood. There's a lot, a lot. There are places that kind of look like a convenience store, but they're really just, they're lottery tickets and like whatever the lottery version of like Kino is. And people just, you can't buy anything. People just fill the entire store standing there, staring at a, uh, it's okay because it benefits education, right? And you're, they're sitting there just pouring money into this. And I, I'm a hand of God. I, on so many occasions, will see somebody who wins. And this is maybe an old joke, but it's true. They'll, they'll, they'll get a pretty okay payoff off a scratch-off ticket or something or off, you know. And what do you think they use that money for? They buy, more, they buy more, more lottery tickets. More lottery tickets. So they're asking the genie for more wishes in that case. Are those people stupid? I doubt it. But that's just how it works for them. Maybe they enjoy that, right? There are, God, there's that wonderful story on, <laughs> you may take a drink. Wonderful story on This American Life where they followed this guy, this, this, uh, is, did you hear the one with the limo driver who, who gambles? No. And he might go up or down like $100,000 in a day, but he's pretty much always broke. Because he just, he just it, it's, it was a very interesting story, but I, I think that's how a lot of us are. Now, we got to wrap soon, but getting up back to the practical component, as you say, um, and, you know, again, maybe, maybe I'm being just a pill about this, but even if you're not MC Hammer, even if you're just like normal Dan, like, I don't know, you tell me. It seems to me that almost everybody who buys a house, uh, as much as they prepare, they're still kind of unprepared for, first of all, how harrying it is to buy a house. Like, what a, what a process that is to go through to buy a house. Like you've, I've certainly watched you have to deal with this. Even if you got the dough, right? And you make an offer. Like I watch my friends like on Tumblr and Twitter, like going through this and it feels so unsympathetic because you're like, oh boy, that's rough. You're having a hard time like buying a place for your family to live that you own. But it seems harrowing, but that's just the beginning, right? What do they say? It's a money pit. Like once you get a house, like you don't have a landlord anymore, right? Like you have to, if that tree falls on your house, you don't just call somebody and then pay the same rent next month. If you discover there's termites that you didn't know about, or you discover you're on an Indian burial ground, Native American burial ground, you just, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems to me that like, you, you, we say, okay, now we're set up, we've got our principal, and now we bought a house. Well, now you bought a house, but you've also got, bought yourself all the future problems of a house. Like, you know, it's like my friend, uh, Leslie Harpold used to say, I hate buying toys for my toys. <laughs> and, 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 you know what I mean? Like you go out and buy an iPhone, now you gotta buy an iPhone case. And I, I just feel like if, if you're not mentally prepared or emotionally prepared for, for what happens when you finally get your supposed safety net. I mean, this wouldn't be an interesting episode if we just said, you know, you should make enough money so you don't have to be worried about money. And now here's our sponsor. Like, uh, whatever. Like, if you can do that, maybe you're not the kind of person who listens to the show and struggles with life. Right. Because no, I, I think, think most, right of us, most of us struggle with life. And 
you know, it's you spend your whole life saying like, I wish I would get invited to the White House or I wish I got, you know, all these things where you like your whole life, you think you want to do this thing. In my experience, so much of the time, once it happens, I feel completely out of my depth. And I'm like, why am I here? Going to that, that the premiere with Cordry, going to see his movie yeah. at that Hollywood premiere. I've never felt like more of a rube in my entire life. I didn't know it was fancy. I didn't know we were actually going to a real Hollywood premiere. So I look like a hobo. I go to this thing. I've never felt more out of place in my life. I'm standing a few feet from Ed Harris and I look like, I look like I'm not even allowed to like clean up the dishes. <laughs> it was heroin. I mean, it was awesome and exciting and there's all these people there, but like, I mean, no, I'm not going to sandbag here. It was really, really cool to like, you know, get to see these people that you like and meet them. But that's just because those people were really nice. There are a lot of people there that weren't that nice. There are a lot of people there who were just as out of their element as I was, but they had nicer clothes and were better at faking it. And uh, I just, I guess there, if there's anything to this, I would say, yeah, first of all, because it's a Dan and Merlin thing, like think about what it is that you really, really want and then see if there's some little part of it you can get without having to become a different person by someone else's benediction. Like you're, you're never going to be sworn in as the, as the president of your life. Like you're just going to go have to take that on your own. And, and like, maybe don't sit around unless it really pleases you. I don't think you're going to get a lot accomplished by sitting around and being envious of other people. And I don't think you're going to get a lot accomplished by hoping uh, that you're going to, you're going to hit a number one day. Um, And, you know, back, back to our old thing, like from, from episode zero, really like, what is, um, what is, what is going to be okay for you? What is it that could be a little bit different about your, what you're doing that doesn't, you know, like that Thoreau quote, you know, something about beware of any enterprise that requires new clothes. Like, are you really, do you have to wait for someone to deliver your fancy jeans or is there something you could do a little bit differently? And then how ironic would it be if what you did turned out so great, you actually made some money from it instead of working that backwards and saying, all I need is all of this money and then I can finally be happy and make something. I think if you ask most people who are in that position, the one, even the ones, or even more especially the ones who are happy, I think they're going to tell you it's not because a big check arrived. Like now they have a production staff. Now they have people they have to pay. Now they have a suite of offices. Not because they're fancy, because that's, that's the business they have to run now. It just means more responsibility, more people who are looking to you for their livelihood and, and more of that gut churning feeling that you could lose it all any second, which you already can, which you always, always will. Mm-hmm. And so, so what do you do tomorrow? I mean, if you pretended you had a little bit of a safety net, could you make something cool? I mean, I, I think everybody's dream is to have that ability to escape, to escape a bad situation and know that there's not going to be disastrous repercussions to their family. Yeah. You know, oh, I don't like the job. I can leave it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know I what th- I mean? No, I think I do know what you mean. And I thought about that with your car because my first immediate thought was that like you've got a pretty nice car. Um, and I was kind of surprised you had a deductible. I figured you would have bought like really fancy collision. Maybe there's always a deductible. I don't know. Colli- there's always, yeah, there's always something. But you know what I mean? There's, the, I, I mean, I don't, our, our, our car would be worth about We'd probably have to pay someone to tow our car away, but it, it works fine for now. Knock on wood. But you know, um, in a lot of cases, if memory serves, your your the cost of your insurance certainly based on where you live, based on your driving record, based on how much you drive every year, but also how much deductible you have to pay for stuff. Ditto in almost every kind of insurance. Because let's face it, it's all a racket. It, it, all insurance is a racket. It's the house will always win. Um, so I mean, so what, in your case, like, what do you do? Will you buy this pretty nice car that probably you know costs some dough? 
And now you're going to worry about your car. Not, maybe not you, but most people, like you're going to try to park someplace where it doesn't get scratched, probably most people. And then you think, well, how do I, and this is not you, but I mean like the, you know, theoretical person who would do this. Like you've arrived. You can finally buy your Bentley that you've always wanted, which really actually isn't that fun to drive probably and doesn't yeah. fit into parking spaces. Great. You win. Uh, and then what? So what do you do? Oh, now I'm worried. I'm going to get insurance. Now I need more insurance. Now I'm going to get, I'm going to get it so that basically the insurance company owes me money and three cars. Like you can always, you're always going to have more stuff to worry about. You're always going to have more toys to buy for your toys. But I, I take your point. I mean, I think that's a really laudable goal and it's something we all look for. But think about that. If the sanest vision we have of a safety net is getting to where we don't have to worry about our family anymore, like think about what that number would really, really, really be. You know, like in that Facebook article, the article about the Facebook IPO and this woman who is 68, 58, I think she's like 68. And she put half, uh, six digits of investment on that Facebook thing and it was gone. She thought she was doing the right thing. You might think she's a dumbass, but if she had half a million dollars in, in savings, she was doing something right. And that was a decision that she made and then it went away. And now the stock is closing down uh, $15 a share for when she bought it with half of her life savings. Wow. And so, you know, maybe she's dumb and you're smart, you guys. But um, sometimes we're all dumb. Sometimes we can all be a little bit smart. But re just remember that, like, you're always in the suitcase wherever you go. There's no way that you're going to just walk onto whatever they're now calling Grandma's Chinese Theater. I'm sitting around trying to find R2-D2's footprints. Like, that's, that, that's, how, like, that's how much of a Hollywood insider I am. <laughs> I'm trying desperately to stay out of anywhere where anyone has a camera. Right. And like, I'm, I'm, and like, I'm like, whoa, free popcorn <laughs> because I'm a country mouse. And in some part of me will always be a country mouse, but you know, maybe another episode would be good to talk more about how you, how you get to that place. Cause I could really use that. But I, you know, I would just like to say congratulations to, to, to Marco and for all of our friends Definitely. at Tumblr. Your app makes me completely apoplectic with anger so much of the time. There's so much that needs to be fixed about it and so much that's crazy making and deliberately broken about it. But you know. Good for you guys, and but I love it. I'm there. I'm there multiple, multiple times a day. That doesn't matter. What matters is they made a thing, and they made it through the hurdle of getting it up, keeping it up, attracting however 40 million users or whatever it is. Like that, if you guys don't think that that's a giant accomplishment, screw you. That's a giant thing to do, and they deserve whatever they can get for that. I hope it stays great, but I'm I'm very happy for those guys. Just as I, I'm happy in a way that I hope anybody would be happy for me if I had a success. You know? I would be so, thrilled for you. Yeah. Well, you know, you and me both. But like, anyhow, uh, our pal Marco, um, I, I don't even know. I mean, it sounds silly to keep talking about this. I'll be glad when people stop talking about it, which we will in a minute. But congratulations to Marco for having made something that great. And uh, any net that comes out of that for him, I, I have nothing but uh, complete pleasure and uh, happiness for. You know, he, he, Merlin, he can win and yeah. other people can also win. What's that phrase? Zero-sum game? Zero, right, that, some, that's with the ice cream, right? Where you go and, oh, that's diminishing returns. It's different. I think it's like an inbox zero sum game title is that, is that <laughs> there, there are certain kinds of things where, you know, again, this, maybe this is a little bit of Nash equilibrium thing he said talking about his butt, but there are certain kinds of games uh, where, where think about like prisoner's dilemma, right? There are those kinds of games where <laughs> you're really tempted to try to be the one who wins big, but the only way you can win big is by the other person losing big. But if they're also trying to win big, you both lose. Mm. That's, I think that's kind of what a zero-sum game do you is. Do want to shock the guy or do you get free or how does that work? Milgram. Yeah, Milgram Nash was his uh, less-known aunt. Nyborg. 
Nyborg. Harriet Nyborg, please listen closely. You want to button this up? Yeah, let's button it up. Okay, I love you. You know what, Merlin? Hmm. I love you too. Oh, I love your boat. 